Uh, I have the privilege this morning of reading and reflecting with all of you on the third of the gospel accounts of Christmas. First one, of course, is Matthew. Second one is Luke. But the third is the gospel of John. And this morning we're going to read and we're going to reflect on John's story of the coming of Jesus. And what you'll notice is that his theme is the same as the other two. The theme of all the Christmas stories is the wonder of Jesus. The wonder of who he is and the wonder of what he came to do and the wonder of what he'll give you if you will take it, receive it, follow him. The theme of all of the the Christmas stories is the wonder of this thing. But the content of John's Christmas story is very different. It doesn't have any of the traditional pieces of the Christmas story. There's no Mary and Joseph. There's no angels or shepherds or wise men. There's no inn that's full. There's no manger in this story. But what he does give us in this story is a heaven's eye view of the majesty of Jesus. He gives us a full length view of the infinity of his nature and the eternity of his age and the extravagance of his love. And the purpose of this thing is to shake us. I mean, as we read this, it's just, it's just a man that's kind of overflowing. I mean, you'll, you'll see with, 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 with a sense of being overwhelmed at the wonder of Jesus. And the whole purpose of this thing, frankly, is to shake us awake to the wonder of who it is that's come to the earth and what he's done and what he wants to give us. So if you're sleepy today, so if you're in your bathrobe and your slippers and you're, you know, and you're kind of laid back in your big soft sofa there and you're kind of dozing, you're feeling a little groggy or, or you're feeling a little groggy. Ellie, if you're feeling a little tired over there, uh, shake your head, roll your shoulders and say to your soul, wake up, soul, wake up. God is about to say something marvelous that'll bring you great joy if you get it. Wake up. In fact, as I was, I was uh, getting ready, I was reading this, um, getting ready, I had this memory flash through my mind. And uh, it took me back 50 years to the time I was a young military student pilot. And it was the morning I was, I was going to take a cross-country, fly cross-country in this little T-37, which is kind of the Jaguar, little sports car of an airplane. And uh, <clears throat> I was going to fly cross-country from our little base in South Georgia down to the Navy uh, air base down at Key West, very end of the Florida Keys. And uh, so we did. We taxied our airplane out, and we, we pushed the throttle into afterburners and these, this little jet has these two rockets and when you push the throttle right to the wall it's like getting kicked in the seat of the pants and off we went we roared down the runway and took off and and uh and we headed off towards the florida coast and uh in, in an incredibly short amount of time we found ourselves seven miles high 
right over St. Augustine. And, and uh, as we nose the airplane over, <clears throat> as a student pilot, you're sitting right on the front. It's like right being right on the front of this needle. And uh, as we nose the, the plane over, I remember being stunned by what I was seeing. I could see a hundred miles down the Florida coast. And it was springtime and the sun was coming up. And on the right side, it was all this kind of emerald green, you know, of the Florida peninsula. And then there was this long white ribbon of beach that went from St. Augustine down past Cape Canaveral and Cocoa Beach on down towards Miami. And on the left was the, the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. It was just blue and sparkling. And I just remember sitting up there, you know, looking out through my goggles and oxygen mask and thinking, wow, this is awesome. And uh, I realized, you know, what I was feeling that day is just a little bit of what God wants us to feel as we read John's Christmas story. So let's read it together. If you're here, I'd invite you just to stand. That's a way to shake us up. If you're at home, I'd invite you to uh, grab a Bible, pick it up. And I'd invite you to stand to listen to what God has to say about the coming of Jesus in the Gospel of John. If you're here, you can read it on the screen. If it shows up, there you go. If you're at home, you can follow along. But let me read and just feel the wonder. John says this about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. Now he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, these are the very words of God. Please be seated. Okay, so this is John's story, his Christmas story, the story of the coming of Jesus. And embedded in this, <clears throat> there are three messages from God to all of us. Message number one is a message we've begun to talk about. It's a message of wonder, and it has to do with Jesus. And the message is simple. The message is that Jesus is God himself. 
He's God himself, creator who comes to light the way back to life. He's God himself, the creator of heaven and earth who came to light the way back to life for all of us. And you see that. You see, John is telling us, he says, he's God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when, when John uses this as a Jew, he's not using it the way it was used in the rest of the, the Roman Empire, the rest of the Greek world. And the, in that world, it, it, it was used symbolically. It was used figuratively. It was used as, a, as, a, as kind of a, a, an honorary title for somebody who was strong and wise and great. The Romans called their emperors God. And that's what they meant. This man was a great man. He was a great man. He was a wonderful man. He had unusual wisdom. He had unusual strength. He has unusual discernment. He was unusually influential. He left a great mark on the earth. That's God, little g. That's not what John is saying here. He's a Jew. He doesn't talk like a Roman. When he says he was God, he was saying in Jesus is all the infinity of God himself. All the eternity of God. All the goodness of God. Everything that God is. And we all have an instinctive sense that God is amazing. He's out there. He's wise beyond anything we have. He's powerful beyond anything. There's a goodness about him that's beyond anything. What John is saying, what you know in your spirit to be God, you need to realize all of that is what Jesus is. Now that's an important thing, particularly for us in the West. I mean, we grow up, we, we see pictures of Jesus, and the pictures of Jesus are Jesus' a little baby, right? In, in a manger. We see him as a young boy standing beside Joseph as a, as a carpenter's son. We see him as a, as a guy teaching on the Sermon of the Mount with his finger up like this. We see him healing. We see him touching. We see him walking about. We see him dying on the cross. We see him laying there dead in Mary's arms, right? The Pieta. And it's easy to think of Jesus just in those terms as a great man. And of course, he was a great man. He's the greatest man who's ever lived. But he's far more than that. And that's what the Holy Spirit, what God wants to shake us away. Jesus, this man who came, the guy that we see in all these pictures, yes, he was a wonderful man, but he's far more than that. He's God himself in a body. And that's the theme. When Isaiah the prophet, he talked about the coming of the one who would come from heaven and rescue us from sin and death. He said he's the, you know, he, he's wonderful counselor, but he's more than that. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. When Jesus was describing himself to the, the Jews would say, who are you? Who do you say you are? He said, before Abraham was I am, I am Yahweh, the four-letter word for God, the Father Almighty. I am. They understood. They took up stones to stone him. You, being a man, claim to be God. Absolutely. 
the one who spoke with Adam in, in the garden, the one who told Noah to build the ark, the one who called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, the one who spoke to Isaac and Jacob, gave the dream to Joseph, who called Moses, who spoke through the prophets. That's me. That's what he's saying. Do you see it? He said to them, I and the Father are one. Said to Philip, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Paul said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's God Almighty. And to make sure that we get it, uh, uh, John, he kind of spews out this cluster of things about Jesus so we'd understand he's not speaking symbolically or honorarily or figuratively. No, 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 no. This is God himself. And so you, you see some things here. He tells us he's the, he's the everlasting one. He's the eternal one. He says, in the beginning, before there was any universe, before there was anything, before there was any planets or stars or any creation, before there was any time, Jesus was there. He was there. And he'd been there. The tense of the verb, and it's not just he kind of came into being just before the creation. He'd been there for a long time. The prophet Micah said, his goings forth, speaking of the Messiah, are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now think of it. This one who came, he's been around forever. He's not only the eternal one, he's a master designer, the master planner. Look, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He was with God. The Word means up close, face to face. He was intimate. He was part of that circle of three who are the same in their essence and their nature. One God, but there's three of them. And he's there. He's at the table. And he was there when they dreamed up this whole thing. The whole thing of the universe, the whole thing of the human race, the whole thing of eternity. Jesus is at the table. He's deciding this. He's designing this. He was there when they decided the end, where we're going. We're going to have a planet, a restored planet like this, but even beyond that, a whole new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be full of people like you and me, hopefully you and me, if we listen to him. And they're going to be lovers, great lovers, people who love like God loves us, and they'll love God like that, and they'll love each other like that, and it'll be a place of righteousness and peace and joy that goes on forever and ever. That's the destination. That's the end game. That's where it's all going. And Jesus was there when all that was decided and excited about it. And he was there when they decided this is how it'll begin. And this is how it'll proceed. The genius of bringing testing and a ferocious battle against evil, of bringing failure, of bringing a divine rescue that would show the love of God for broken people that would bring a simple way for humble-hearted people to have all that God wants to give them by humbling themselves and say, Lord, I need you, and I'll turn and follow you. 
This was all part of the scheme and a marvelous transformation, a time when we'd be changed from sons of the devil into sons of God. And through the word and the spirit and the difficulties of life, we'd be transformed into great heroic people worthy of praise and honor and glory. He was there when they decided we're going to die, but they were going to be resurrected and we're going to be given immortal bodies and we're going to be welcomed into an eternity of righteousness and peace and joy to be with each other and with them forever and ever. He was there for that. He knows that. He's the designer and he's the great communicator. He's the Word. You see that? Three times in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It means he's the one who is sitting at the table of the three, and it was decided he'd be the one who would come out of heaven down here to tell us what's going on, to explain it to us, to tell us how it began and why it's here and where it's going and how to make it work and how to end well. He's the messenger. He's the word. He's the one who brings the design and the dreams of God to us. He's the word, the great communicator. And not only that, but he's what? He's the light. You got to love this. He said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. I mean, that is, that's a trainload of information. But what is God saying? He's saying he came to show us the life that God dreams for every one of us to have. He came to model us. In him was life. When he came, it was in him. He was showing it to us. If you watch the way he did life, that's it. That's what God wants for all of us. And he's the light that shows us the way back to that life. Now, what do you mean back to that life? Well, because the life that he came to give is different. It's radically different from the life that we all begin with. Right? We all begin. We all begin. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We all begin by doing life without God. Doing life our own way. Now, please hear me. This is, I'm being gentle here, but this is the truth, isn't it? We all grow up. And we do life our own way. We, uh, there, there's, a, there's a pride in us, a self-will in us, uh, a desire for, for our own things. We're all Smeagol, right? And we've all got a ring, and we wants it. Right? We wants it. And we don't care who gets in the way, and we don't want God to interfere with that. We all leave God. We walk away from God. And the result is, is that's how we get into the brokenness that we all know that's life without God. And it is broken, isn't it? It's messed up. I mean, it's full of fear. It's full of rage. It's full of bitterness. It's, it can't forgive. It can't release. It has to get even. It's bound by, there's a meanness. There's a jealousy. There's an envy. There's a comparing. There's a scratching and a scrambling for worth and value. Am, am I painting a... A bad picture here? It's broken, isn't it? I mean, just look at, look inside what I'm feeling. 
Look at the relationships. Look at homes. Look at marriages. Look at kids with their parents. Look at, at the culture. Look at nations. It is messed up. And when we walk away from God, we walk away from the life that he dreams for us. Uh, there's several of us. We're, we have this thing we call a D group. We meet in the early morning. We read the Bible. We're reading Psalm 25. David was saying, oh, God, forgive the sins of my youth. Don't remember my iniquity for it's great. Can you relate to that? I mean, I can relate to that. I think back on my youth. You know, on the outside, I was the, I was the all-American boy. I was an honor student. I was an athlete, D1 athlete in two sports. I got into the Air Force Academy. I was clean. My hair was cut. I looked like the epitome of everything you'd want. But you know, underneath, there was a brokenness. I'd, I'd been sarcastic and bullying to the kids who were littler and not as smart as I was. I'd taken stuff that didn't belong to me. I'd cheated to get to a lot of the grades that I got. I had a girlfriend in high school, and, and the things we did left a train wreck of her life by the time I walked away from her in my early 20s. I was polished, but I was broken. Now, when John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, he said, in him is the life God dreams to give to every one of you. Life with God. Life with purpose. Life with cleanness. And the ability to say no to what's evil and yes to what's right. Life that lasts forever. And in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. He not only modeled it, he said, let me show you how to get it. How to get from where you're at, far away from this, back to what God has for you. Now that is the wonder of Jesus. God Almighty in a body. The designer the communicator, the creator of all of life and the light to get back to life. Um, one of the guys that helped me in my young years happened to be the chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys. And this was back in the days of Tom Landry and Roger Staubach back in the 70s. And uh, so we had this weekly Bible study with the, with the Cowboys. And uh, some of them were committed, devout Christians. Other ones were just beginning. I mean, you know, they, they were just beginning to think about God. But they, they had them in the living room. Imagine these big old guys in the living room. And they were reading through this. They are reading through the Gospel of John. I don't know if it's this passage, but, but, uh, but there are many places that are similar, carry the same message about Jesus. And in, in, in one of these, uh, one of the linemen, he was a big lineman, as I recall, he said, well, wait a minute. He says, wait a minute. You don't mean to tell me that Jesus Christ is God to you. And they read it. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And what was going on inside is, oh my goodness, I need to listen 
to this man. He knows. He knows. That's what John is saying. Listen to him. He's been around from the beginning. He knows. Message number two. Uh, we need to go quickly. Message number two is a message of warning. And it's a message of warning. You see it here. And it's a message. The message is simple. Beware lest the darkness keep you from seeing and realizing who this man is and what he came to give. Beware of the darkness. And that's what it says, right? I mean, he tells us, I mean, it's a stunning story. You think, oh, good, he's going to come and everybody's going to receive him. And it's going to be amazing. That's not what happened, right? He says, this is, this is what John is saying. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. What's he saying? He said, he's saying, Jesus came into the world, but the world didn't understood it. The word means to seize, to grasp, to lay hold of, to, to make it your possession. In other words, he came. All of that that we just said was true about who he is and what he came to do. But the vast majority of the people paid no attention. They missed it. Right? He goes on to say... Uh, he goes on to say down here, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came unto his own, the Jewish people, his own people, who had the prophets and the promises, and they did not receive him. Why? What's going on here? Well, John is telling us, listen, we live in a time and an age and a place of enormous darkness. In other words, there are powerful forces at work on us, on you, to keep you from getting it, keep you from seeing it, keep you from realizing it, causing you to roll your eyes, causing you to check your nails and check your watch and, you know, become distracted and never get it. Right? That's what he's saying here. Be careful, lest the darkness. What are you talking about? What do you, what's darkness? What do you mean? I mean, there's plenty of light in here. We can all see. Yeah, but there's darkness that surrounds our heads and our hearts. And even though God has come and he's offered this amazing stuff, it is easy for us to miss it. I mean, even as church people, it's easy to miss it. Right? The, there's the darkness of sin. There's our own internal stuff, right, that gets distracted. It gets Focused, it gets obsessed with, with, with fool's gold, right? It sees the sparkle, whether it's wealth, whether it's power, whether it's being uh, a reputation, whether it's being cool, whether it's, whether it's being wanted and desired. You know, there's that, that ring, that thing that gets us, and I, and I want it, I want it, and that's all I see. And I miss God. There's the darkness of, of the world. I'm just talking about peer pressure. I'm just talking about social media and all of the, you know, celebrity imaging and 
all the stuff that's constantly bombarding us as far as you need this and advertising and stuff and pleasure and, and this and that and how do I get my body in shape, my hair shiny and my face beautiful and, and for men, how do I get to the next level and how do I get the, the Lexus, you know, uh, subcompact car and how do I get the next piece of land and the next piece of property? Now, all those things may be good, but they can become fixating, right? I'm just saying, and we can miss it. And then there's just flat out the lies of the devil. The lies that he tells you, he gets in your head, eternal life, that's a stupid idea. Jesus, he was a sweet guy, but that's about it. God may or may not be out there. There's nothing beyond death. There's no accounting of my life. There's nothing really to live for except to keep myself happy and scintillated until finally my body quits. I mean, these are the lies of the enemy. There's a darkness. You know, I, I remember when I was a, a young cadet back at the Air Force Academy, I just, I just read this. In fact, I came to Christ as a, a freshman in college, and my roommate started me reading right here, John chapter 1. And I remember reading, and it was about Christmas time, and I had this, I had a room at the academy that looked out on the terrazzo. It's the big open area where everybody comes and goes. It's like the, the central marketplace. And my room faced that. And so everybody looked right into my window. It was up about two stories up. And I decided, you know, this is amazing what my roommate has shown me. God has come to the earth. And so I made this enormous sign with, with magic marker. It said, Happy Birthday, God. And I put it in my window. And so there they were. You know, 3,000 of us march off to dinner, and we all come back, and boom, there's this sign, Happy Birthday, God. Well, you can imagine what happened, right? This is youthful enthusiasm. I mean, within, I don't know, a few hours... The officer of the day saw that, came up to my room and said, you got to take that down. you got to take it down. I said, yeah, you know, but it's true, isn't it? Well, he said, you know, it's not really true. I mean, it's not really true. It's not true like things we know. And it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate to have religious things. And the truth is it's not appropriate because it's not really true like the stuff we know to be true. And different people have different ideas. You gotta take it down. What's that? That's the darkness. I mean, God has come to the world. He's shown us the way back to life. He's shown us the way out of our brokenness of doing life without God. He's shown us a way to get free, you know, from the, from the bondage and the fear and the anger and the bitterness and the futility and the sense of vagueness about what life is all about and my sense of worth and value and, and feeling unloved and all the stuff that makes us snarky people and kind of quietly desperate people. Light has come into the world, and you're not allowed to shine it because it's not really true. That's darkness. Now, the last message that God has, and it's a message of invitation, right? 
It said he came unto his own, those who received him not. But in verse 12 it says, yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a message of invitation. It's simple. It's a message to receive him, to believe in him. And if you'll do that, God will give you new life. As a child of God, you'll be his child. Receive him. What does that mean? Receive him means to respond reasonably, responsibly, warmly in a way that's honoring. It's a wonderful word. I mean, you get a picture of it. Somebody's receiving. It means respond to him in a way that we should respond to somebody who is this and who offers us these things. Believe in him. What does that mean? It doesn't mean just give assent to him. It doesn't mean just believe the story. It means to fully devote myself to him. Believe in him. You put those two words together, and it's God calling deep to your inmost being. Now listen carefully. He's calling deep to your inmost being. He's saying, listen, receive him, believe in him. What does it mean? It means to turn, make a deep turn in my soul from doing life my own way and living in my own brokenness towards God. I say, God, I'm done with that. Honestly, I'm a lousy Lord. I'm a lousy steerer. My life is broken. I'm done. And I want to turn, and from now on, I want to turn, and I want to follow you and the son that you've sent, your son Jesus. And I want to let him shape the way I think because he knows He's been around for eternity. He was there when this whole thing was dreamed up. He was the one who decided where it's going. He knows how to make life work. And from now on, he's my teacher. He's my savior. He's my Lord. I'm going to live, not just live for him. I'm going to do that, but I want to let him show me how to do life. There's a deep turn. This is deep calling to deep to your inmost being. Listen, I say that because I know, I know, I mean, I'm thinking of me. I went to church for years and I thought, this is nice. Jesus is a good man. Church is a good thing. I love the people. I love the music. I kind of like the ethos of it. You know, all that can happen and I'm still going my own way doing life without God. I can be, I can be a very respectable religious person and have never turned what John is saying, look, but as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, to those who made a deep inner turn and said, God, I want to come back to you, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Forgiveness of sin. A whole new standing. Before we do that, honestly, we're enemies of God. We're children of wrath. We're just straightforward, we're children of the devil. We look like the devil, we think like the devil, we talk like the devil, we act like the devil. But when we make that turn, all that changes. And now I'm a child of God. I have peace with God. He's forgiven my sin. And not only that, on paper, legally, right, I have the right to be a child of God. That's true. But I become a new person. That's what it says, which we're born not of the will of the flesh and of the will of man, but born of God. 
And he sends his Holy Spirit. He puts his DNA, and I get a new heart and a new spirit. So how does that happen? It's a mystery, but I'll tell you, it happens. There is a change of heart. My wife says, my want-tos change. A new heart, a new spirit, a desire for cleanness. An, an understanding that the things that are damaging and dark and evil are dark and evil and damaging. And I don't want that stuff anymore. I want God in his life. And I recognize the things have been broken and I say, I don't want to be that person anymore. It's a marvelous thing to become a child of God. It's an invitation. So that's John chapter 1. Right? It's John's Christmas story. It's a story of wonder. Jesus is God himself who's come to show us the way back to life. He's, uh, but there's a warning. Beware of the darkness. It can keep you from getting it. You can miss it. A word of invitation, right? To receive him, believe in him. Um, so here's what I thought we'd do, just to end. I thought, uh, Brad, where's Brad? And his team could come back up. And uh, I'd just like to invite us. You know, in, in the scriptures it says, God has given Jesus a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'd just like to invite you, if your heart, if, if enough darkness has been pushed back this morning, and your heart would be willing, I just encourage you, just as we sing, as we kind of worship, just to get on your knees and uh, receive him. Express your faith in him. Uh, for some of you, maybe looking in or maybe even here, I mean, this may be a first time there's been that deep turn. Say, well, I see who you are. God, I'm, I want you, not me. And you can tell him that. Some of us have done that, and that's where we're going. You just say, Lord, I just want to re-give myself to you. Acknowledge you're worthy to be my Lord and my Savior. For some of you, it may be there may be something God is speaking to you about. He's been speaking to you. And the best way to get on my knees before him is to say yes to what he's been saying and to yield. But I just encourage you, wherever you are, right there at home, here, if you're so inclined, just as we sing, just to kneel and receive him as your Lord and Savior.